message. We are halfway through a series called Blessed on the Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5. A beatitude is an attitude that God blesses. If you want God's blessings poured out in your life, Jesus tells you here's how to do it. Cultivate these attitudes in your life and God will bless you. It's, it's pretty much a, uh, an awesome guarantee. They are the core values of Christ's kingdom. And these are not attitudes that, that the world encourages us to cultivate. We don't just stumble into them. We have to learn from Jesus. We have to believe uh, his promise that we will be blessed and choose to, uh, to make them a part of our lives. So turn in your Bibles, if you would, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, repeatedly, we, we see this uh, phrase, shall, for they shall, you shall. And the word shall is more than just future. It's going to happen in the future. It actually denotes certainty. This is Jesus saying, it's going to happen. You will be blessed. You can take it to the bank. You can build your life upon it. Shall. It's going to happen. So do you want to be blessed? Then Jesus says, take my word for it. Cultivate these attitudes in your life and you will. It shall you shall be blessed. Today's, uh, so we've been taking one beatitude each week, eight-week series, there are eight beatitudes. Today's beatitude is found in verse six. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Now, every week I pray, Lord, would you connect my heart with the truth that I'm proclaiming? I don't want it to just be intellectual, right? I want to I feel it first before I deliver it. And so this week, as I'm preparing on, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, I thought, well, there's a, a pretty evident way that I could connect myself to this truth, and that is to fast. So I have not eaten anything since Thursday night, and I am hungering. And so the Bible encourages fasting, right? And one of the reasons is so that we can ask ourselves, do I hunger and thirst for God the way that I'm wanting that piece of toast? Do I hunger and thirst for righteousness? David did. Psalm chapter 42, verse 1 and 2. He writes, As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. 
My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Psalm 63, 1. O God, you are my God. I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Do you hunger and thirst for God? We want to, because we believe Jesus when he says, you will be blessed. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed. I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, but do I? So let's play a little how's my appetite game. Not really a game. I'm going to read 10 items uh, humans often hunger for, and just in your own heart, evaluate yourself. Scale of 1 to 10, 10 is I'm voraciously hungry for this. One being, eh, not hungry at all. How's my appetite for money, financial security, wealth? Number two, fame, popularity, recognition. How's my appetite for fame? Number three, power, control. How's my appetite for power? Number four, health. Physical health. Number five, beauty. How's my appetite for beauty, physical, my physical appearance, attractiveness? Number six, romance, intimacy. Number seven, victory, winning. How's my appetite for winning? Number eight, revenge. Number nine, pleasure. Physical, bodily pleasure. And then finally, righteousness. How's my appetite for righteousness? Now, most of the things I just noted are not bad. It's not wrong to have an appetite for them. But I think when we consider these other things that we have an appetite for, can we then honestly say to ourselves, I hunger and thirst after righteousness? Or is it, yeah, I have an appetite for it, but not a voracious appetite for it. I, I don't think I could say I hunger and thirst for it. Or here's kind of a pithy way to, to put this. Is righteousness my sole priority? Is it my sole priority? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The reason I, I want to hunger and thirst for righteousness is because there is a an enormous blessing attached to it. Is righteousness my sole priority? Well, what does it mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness? In order to answer that question, first we've got to understand what is righteousness. And there are three aspects of righteousness. Uh, there is a legal righteousness, a moral righteousness, and a social righteousness. And legal righteousness has to do with my relationship with God. Am I, am I right in God's eyes? The moral righteousness has to do with my own character and conduct. Is my character and conduct right before God? Is it in line with his revealed will? And then the social righteousness is, is it done on earth as it is in heaven? Is what's happening in, in the world at large right in God's eyes? 
John Stott says this about the social aspect of righteousness. Social, social righteousness is concerned with seeking man, man's liberation from oppression together with the promotion of civil rights, justice in the law courts, integrity in business dealings, and honor in home and family affairs. So to hunger and thirst for righteousness, here's what it means. It means that you care enough about righteousness, you desire it enough that you are motivated to act, to promote righteousness in the world. And so, you know, I can't say that I'm hungry if I'm not motivated to go eat something. I know I'm hungry when I start looking around, right? And I start... Uh, resenting other people eating right in front of me. And, and, and everything within me wants to reach out and grab. And I'm not hungry. I can't say I'm hungry unless I'm motivated to act. Well, so how do we know if we hunger and thirst for righteousness? If we're motivated to act to, per, to promote righteousness in the world. First off, in my own life, are you motivated to be right with God? Does that matter to you? Have you ever gotten to that point in your life where you're like, I, uh, I know that I am sinful and I know that I'm out of sorts with God and my relationship is broken with God because of my sin and I want to be set right. And that, that uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness uh, takes us to the cross. It, it, it moves us to repent of our sins and put our faith in God's son, Jesus Christ. I can't say that I hunger and thirst for righteousness if I'm just casual about the sin in my life. That one's been there for decades, and I kind of I, I sort of like that one. That helps me manage my life. You don't, we're not hungering and thirsting after righteousness if we're apathetic about our own character and conduct. If we're not uh, motivated to grow in holiness, to become more like Jesus. If we have no appetite for the word of God and for prayer and for being around other people who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you know what? We don't hunger and thirst for righteousness if, what, if the wickedness in the world around us doesn't bother us and we don't feel any motivation to go actually make a change. There's a poem written by a guy named Wilbur Reese describing the opposite of hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Poems titled, Three Dollars Worth of God. I'd like to buy three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, but just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love a black man or pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of a womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. There's a lot of unrighteousness in the world, in our own lives, in our families, in our workplaces, in our cities, in our nation, in our world. If I hunger and thirst after righteousness, I am motivated to go do something about it. I can't do something about everything. It's like I can sell everything I have and I'm going to just barely make a drop in the bucket. And Jesus says the poor will always be, always be with you. But 
Just because I can't solve the problem doesn't mean that I can't do something, and it doesn't mean that I shouldn't do something, right? Do what we can do. So my dad has made me sour cream cottage cheese pancakes with blueberries, sour cream cottage cheese pancakes with blueberries and real maple syrup. I love these things. And so I said, Dad, I need to break my fast at church. Okay, so here we go. What am I going to say? So, so satisfying. So, that's so satisfying. And Jesus says, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be... Mm, We're going to have that kind of an experience. We will be satisfied. Why? Because righteousness will be the rule of the land. Unrighteousness will be gone. And all that will be left is righteousness. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13. I'm going to start in 11, or 12. Waiting, we are waiting for the, and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Here's why we're satisfied, because there's coming a day in which all the unrighteousness in the world will be taken out, and all that will remain is righteousness forever and ever and ever. And so if we hunger and thirst for righteousness, we will forever be satisfied. What a glorious truth. But here's the question. When Christ's return... And righteousness is the, is the law of the land. Am I going to be satisfied? Well, not if I have been hungering and thirsting for revenge. Not if I've been hungering and thirsting for uh, intoxication. Hungering and thirsting for uh, perversity. Not if I've been hungering and thirsting for my own glory. Hungering and thirsting after bodily pleasure. Well, when righteousness becomes, fills the earth, and, and if, I, if I haven't cultivated an appetite for righteousness, then I'm left going, hey, I'm not satisfied. So when Christ returns and righteousness dwells in the land, how satisfied are you going to be? How much will that be the answer to your heart's longings and your desires? See, this is why we are blessed to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because for all eternity, we're, the, we're going to be the ones who are satisfied. Of course, this begs the question. Jesus has told us, blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They'll be satisfied. And, and so maybe God has convicted us this morning, and you're, and you're thinking, you know what? I don't hunger and thirst after righteousness like Jesus suggests I should. Can I acquire a taste for righteousness? That's the question, right? Can, can you acquire a taste for righteousness? Maybe you don't have it right now. Maybe you don't have the, the hunger and the thirst. Can I acquire a taste for righteousness? So as I went for my sour cream cottage cheese pancakes, because I've been eating these things since I was a kid. My dad's been making me sour cream cottage cheese pancakes 
Since I was a kid, I've acquired a taste. My little girls think cottage cheese sour cream pancakes are the bomb. So can we increase our hunger for righteousness? I think we can. Can we acquire a taste for righteousness? I think we can. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Try them out. Think about the beauty of righteousness. Uh, Try not lying. Try being faithful to your spouse. Try not exasperating your kids. Try being ethical at work. Try tithing. Tithe, right? Try serving. Try giving your life away. Try turning the other cheek. Try handing over your desire for revenge to God. Try casting your anxieties upon him. You try out righteousness, and you're going to see, hey, this is a better way to live. This tastes good. This is satisfying. We can acquire a taste for righteousness. You know, we're going to be satisfied. Our desire to be right with God can be satisfied right now. If you repent of your sins and place your faith in God's Son, Jesus Christ, sins are taken as far away as the east is from the west. They are remembered no more, and the righteousness of Christ is, is credited to your account. So when God looks at you, he sees Christ's righteousness, not your own ups and downs. Your, your desire to, your hunger to grow in uh, Christ-like character and conduct, that you can make a lot of strides even now, empowered by the Spirit of God. And there's a lot of satisfaction to that. But ultimately, we won't be perfectly conformed to the image of Christ until Jesus returns. And although we can better our world, you think about William Wilmer Force and his crusade against slavery, and, and we can better our world, but it's not, we're never going to create utopia until Jesus Christ returns. And when he returns, he will set all things right. Am I acquiring a taste for righteousness? Here's a question to ask yourself and wrestle with before the Lord. God, what is one thing I can do this week to help increase my hunger for righteousness? 